On today's show, the Hawks escape with a one-point victory as Sadiq Bey has a tip-in with one second to go, and the Hawks avoid what would have been a pretty rough loss at home to the Toronto Raptors on this Sunday evening. And we'll get into all of what transpired, the highs, the lows, the mixed reactions, and in the end, a win for the Hawks. We'll get to all that right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1640 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday here at the end of January. And today's show, we'll dive in to what became a one-point victory for the Hawks, 126 to 125. Before we get to that, though, I want to encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on video. Also, I should plug, we had a full week last week, game coverage, mailbag stuff, trade stuff, a wild one on Friday, unfortunately, for the Hawks, giving up uh, a large, large point total to one particular player on Friday. But we had full coverage of, the, of all of it on this podcast, and please spread the word about the show. I'd very much appreciate that. But anyway, the Hawks snap a four-game losing streak with this win at home on this Sunday evening. It was a roller coaster for sure. They led by they led for most of the fourth quarter. It was never lopsided. The Hawks were never in total control of the game. Almost had a all-time giveaway at the end of the game when Trey Young turned the ball over in the final seconds. But Sadiq Bey, um, following up a Trey Young missed floater at the buzzer to cap one of his best games of the season individually. He was very good in this one. And with the win, their 19th win of the season for the Hawks, 19-27. Home wins have been uh, elusive this year for Atlanta. But a nice one here at home on a Sunday. And look, the Hawks were solid favorites in this game, betting-wise at FanDuel, which I know some Hawks fans were pushing back on. Um, just because of how the season's gone, and I can't blame you for that. But the Raptors were shorthanded in this game. I mean, Emmanuel Quickly, Jakob Pertl, and RJ Barrett, three of their top six players probably at this point, were all out. The Raptors have now, with this loss tonight, they've lost nine of the last ten. So they're pretty bad, just to be candid, after the trades they made to look at the future. when I mean, there were the right trades to make for the Raptors. But um, the Hawks were also down two starters. Of course, DeAndre Hunter remains out for Atlanta. DeJounte Murray did not play in this game, which we'll come back to later on in more detail. But I want to get to the actual takeaway from this game first. And in the end, beyond the fact that it was just a win for the Hawks at home, the offense was very good in this game. So they had a 125 offensive rating in this one, which is already good. That's already better than any league, any team in the league has been on a per-game basis this season. So that's already excellent. But to do that while the Hawks shot 6 of 27 from three-point range. Usually when you shoot like that from three, it doesn't matter which team you are. It's hard to score in bunches when you shoot that poorly on that many attempts from three. But the Hawks were able to do that. By the way, Atlanta was also 0 of 6 on mid-range jump shots. So they were actually 6 of 33 from outside of 12 feet in this game. And they still had a 125 offensive rating, which means they were basically really good everywhere else. In fact, the Hawks winning a game when they did that from three, and the Raptors, as we'll come back to in a second, were 15 of 31 from three. So 48-plus percent from the Raptors, who, by the way, are not a great shooting team. So was in the bottom 10 of three-point shooting this year. So I'm laying all that out there now to say that, like, if you just remove three-point shooting, which you can't do, that's that's part of the game. But as far as the, the all-court game, like the rest of the game, the Hawks were quite a bit better overall than the Raptors in this game, especially when I said this on Twitter this way, this plainly, usually... If all you told me coming into the night was the Hawks were going to do that from three 
and the Raptors were going to shoot that from three, I would say it's not impossible to win, as we just saw, but the likelihood of the Hawks' victory with these three-point shooting numbers is not high. No matter who's playing, no matter where the game is, etc. But they won the game because they were good everywhere else, basically. So on twos, they're 56% in this game. That's not incredibly impressive, but um, still enough, basically. And they had 74 points in the paint. That's an absolute ton. They only attempted those six memory jump shots in this game. They were all 0 for 6, so they weren't good, but they got to the rim a lot. And they finished reasonably well around the rim. Their floater range shots were not great, but when they actually got all the way there, they were able to finish very well. And also, beyond that, they had 40 free throw attempts. Um, this was a very high free throw, high whistle game. There were 72 total free throws in this game. But Hawks having 40 is really impressive. That was their second highest total of the entire season at the line. They missed eight free throws. You never want to do that. But when you shoot 32 of 40, that's 80%. Can't be too upset with that number. But uh, yeah, that, that's a huge swing in their favor. The Hawks had the possession battle edge in this game by a lot. And in addition to the free throw shooting and also the two-point shooting, the Hawks really dominated the offensive glass. In this game, they had 20 offensive rebounds that led to 32 second chance points. That's a ton. The league leaders have like 18 per game. So that, that's a massive total. And I think it was, it's kind of fitting in a lot of ways at Sadiq Bay that the game winner was a tip in because the Hawks were really good on the glass the entire game. And that sort of um, ended that uh, appropriately. Bay had seven offensive rebounds in this game. Capella had six. So the two of them had 13 offensive rebounds. That was as much, almost as many as Raptors did as a team. So um, they were flooding there. All five starters had 17 points or more for Atlanta. So there were some standouts, of course. Trey had 30. He wasn't even super efficient in this one. Bogey had a really good game. Bay had a really good game. But they had good balance. Uh, six guys, double figures. Actually, hilariously, I didn't even notice this until recently. The Hawks had nine guys play in this game, and only six guys scored. It is very rare for three guys to play more than, like, a minute in an NBA game, and none of them score. And that happened. Patty Mills... Garrison Matthews and Trent Forrest combined to shoot 0-5 from the floor and not score a point. And the Hawks still were able to put these kind of numbers up because the starters were really good in this one. Like, it was not as simple as starters good, bench bad. It's never that simple, but it kind of was in this game. The plus-minuses tell the story of that and so do the eye test a lot of ways. I thought Okong was pretty good, but the other three guys who played, sort of the non-core rotation guys, were not particularly good for Atlanta in this one. Um, and look, the offense was really good. The defense was less good, as you might imagine, in a close game like this. I mentioned the shooting from the perimeter already once, but just to say it again, the Raptors shot 48% from three. This is a team that was in the bottom 10 of the of the league coming in in both three-pointers per game and percentage. So this is not a great shooting team. Now, they have some shooters. Gary Trent Jr. is a really good shooter. Uh, Jordan Nora can shoot it. Grady Dick can shoot it. Um, Jonte Porter, who's actually really good for them off the bench as their backup center, can shoot it. But um, they were. this is not a great shooting team by any means. So they had some good looks, as you might expect, but probably not 48% worth of three-point looks in this game. Um, so a little bit of negative variance there. And I'll say, just to, just to be kind to the, to the bench, a lot of the bench looks for the Raptors against the Hawks bench were uh, not the best, and they made a lot of them, so there you go. The Hawks did hold them, though, to 45% on twos which is a terrible number. That's actually really good for the Hawks defensively. They were dead even in the turnover battle. Um, the other main issue beyond three-point variance in this game was that the Hawks were, were legitimately bad in transition defensively. Now, that's not a new problem for Atlanta, but looking at all the numbers and sort of even watching the film back of this game, a lot of the breakdowns the Hawks were having defensively were in transition. And that's it's a problem that's not probably going to go away anytime soon, but just it was glaring. They had um, not only 20, uh, I think a lot of people look at fast break points 
and that's a good stat. Um, the Raptors had 24, though. That's that's a lot of fast break points. But it's not always just pure fast breaks. Like, the secondary transition moments can be uh, telling as well. The Hawks were actually fairly solid, like almost league average when it comes to half-court defense. But the Raptors had massive frequency in transition and also efficiency in that regard. So that was, again, probably the number one issue, other than beyond threes itself. They were giving a lot of a lot of stuff in transition. You know, bogey is a problem there. They don't really change ends very well. This Hawks team, not, again, not a new problem, but it was certainly glaring in this game. I thought I did th- think though, in the half court in particular, the Hawks bigs were quite good defensively in this one. Capella, uh, even Jalen in support in a lot of ways. Um, Akongwu, Bay was at least physical around the rim rebounding wise, and that was uh, that was certainly helpful in this game. So. I'll come back to it later. I, I did say it one more time, but the Stars were really good the whole game. Um, that was really huge in this one when the Hawks were shorthanded. I know the Raptors were as well, but the Hawks were legitimately shorthanded down two of their key guys in this game. And look, in the end, it's a win. It, they tried to lose this one in a lot of ways. Um, but I'll say this. Like the Hawks have been, in my opinion, the, the victim of some negative variance this season. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a team that has still earned its underachievement so far. I'm not saying that they should be the four seed in the East right now with how they've played. But if you look at sort of the against the spread numbers and sort of the close game numbers, the Hawks have had some bad breaks go against them this year. I will at least note that. And in this game, you know, that turnover that Trey had, we'll talk about more later, was self-inflicted and he took ownership for that. I think Quinn noticed that too. Like, you know, there's no like debating. It was not a good play by Trey. But a lot of times the Hawks would have lost this game because they've just kind of managed to lose a lot of these close games. And they were down at that point after that turnover led to a bucket and then the Hawks made a play at the end to escape with the victory. And yeah, you beating the Raptors at home shorthanded is not like a huge accomplishment. I'll be the first to say that, but it's better than losing. Uh, and the Hawks have had a lot of these rough losses, so the vibes would be better as a result of a win. And the Hawks play again, and, you know, four more times at home on this homestand. And, um, you know, big picture, small picture, whatever. But for this night, they got a win that they could have lost. And that's uh, different than how a lot of games have gone this year for the Hawks. All right, we'll get into all of what's sort of been transpired in this one as far as how the game unfolded in the middle and then my player analysis at the end of the podcast. Before we get to all of that stuff, though, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and Passion Drive and Patience are what bring home the winning trophy is, and they also are what to keep your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you're looking for to maintain your vehicle and level it up to, to peak performance. They have superchargers and roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors will have you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for at eBay Motors. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber. And of course, you're not burning cash. With all the parts that you are looking for and all the stuff that you actually need at the prices that you're looking for as well, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win you are seeking. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. One more time, the place to go is ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Super Bowl Sunday is now rapidly approaching. It's basically upon us now, and it's all about scoring the best seat on the couch or at a party or wherever you like to watch football, grabbing your favorite snacks and drinks, and placing some super bets as well. Beyond the diehard, Super Bowl Sunday also has the big game feel that brings in a lot of casual fans as well. It's basically a national holiday at this point. It's also a great time to dig in with folks at FanDuel because there's a ton of stuff to consume and analyze and bet on the FanDuel Sportsbook platform. The app is safe and secure. They have, even beyond the NFL, they have basketball and baseball and hockey, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, MMA, and much more. In fact, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two W's or even three W's. 
Not only can, can you bet on the Super Bowl and the Super 58, by the way, but FanDuel also has bets for which players are going to score touchdowns in that game, how many points will be scored, all kinds of player props, and so much more at FanDuel. And if you're a new customer, join right now today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more happens to win. And the place to go is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make every moment more with the folks at FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. One more time, it is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right, and there was a little bit of excitement or weirdness, so however you want to put that, before the game started. So DeJounte Murray, I mentioned before, did not play in this game. He was not on the injury report coming into the day or all morning long. The Hawks had an early tip in this game, but he was listed as questionable about 90 minutes before tip-off. Uh, and that was the first time that popped up with right hamstring tightness. It was interesting because the official injury report came out basically right as he was starting his warm-up. It was a home game. I was in the building watching the warm-up, and he was out there warming up. And I'm like, okay, he's questionable now, but he's already warming up. He did his full warm-up, didn't show any kind of issues whatsoever that we could see. Look, it's a hamstring tightness thing. Guys are not going 100% full speed in warm-up, so it's certainly possible he felt something there. I'm not saying otherwise. It looked, though, very normal. I've seen DeJounte warm up probably 50 times. It looked very normal. He didn't cut it short. He went the entire way. And then about 20 minutes later or so, he was ruled out from the game. Uh, this is his first game of the season, which is notable. He, had played, he actually played the first 45 game, which is very impressive, actually. It's good, dur good durability from DeJounte. Also, his first right hamstring issue of the year of any kind, at least that was listed. He was questionable with left hamstring tightness about two weeks ago for the Wizards game, the, uh, I guess, infamous Wizards game that the Hawks were terrible in that they lost. But he played in that one. Anyway, um, people were asking about trade stuff. Look, I, I get it. I even said this on Twitter. I understood the speculation that was out there because it was, it was strange. Now, I, I cover the team. I, I will tell you that it's certainly possible that he is injured. Um, it is certainly possible that they, they were just being cautious or whatever. But I, I definitely understand like the, uh, the eye rolling that was going on from some Hawks fans because of the timing. And of course, he's in the rumors and all that stuff. But um, that's all I have. I don't have any breaking news for you on that front. Um, I've, I, my, I was pure, I was certainly perked up a little bit by that. But in the end, he didn't play. He was on the bench the entire game. He was on the floor celebrating at the end of the game. Like he was, uh, he was there and dialed in. So it wasn't like he was buried uh, in the back or not even there. So um, for now, you just operate like he's on the team and he just missed this game. And hopefully he is back in, in the lineup when it comes to Tuesday against the Lakers, et cetera. And that would be a whole other uh, can of worth because the Lakers are, of course, the most prominent team tied to DeJounte and they are in town on Tuesday. So there'll be a lot of questions I'm sure about that and attention paid to it. But for now, that's where I have it right now. It's just a little bit strange. And I will certainly note that, but uh, nothing to break right now when it comes to that. At any rate, once the game actually started, it was bogey in place of DeJounte. No surprise there. And the Hawks actually played very well on offense out of the gate. They had 14 points on their first nine possessions. Trey had four assists. The Hawks had five dunks in the first like four minutes. Clint had three. Bay had one. Jalen had one. Um, rotationally, it was nine guys who, who appeared in this one, uh, Trent and Patty played together a couple times in this game when Trey was off the floor. Um, Trey had his usual rests in this one, played more minutes in this game after the shorter stints on Friday when he's first coming back from the concussion. Uh, Trent Forrest didn't play at all on Friday with Trey back, but with DeJounte out, he was back in the lineup in this one. Akago came in in his usual spot. I thought Capella was really good early. He had 10 points and five rebounds in his first stint. Pretty impressive there. And then Garrison Matthews played as the backup wing in the first half. I will say this, though, in case I forget to do this later, the Hawks played only eight guys in the second half, and really it was only about seven and a half. Um, Okongwu played normal minutes, and Patty played kind of normal minutes-ish, but Garrison did not play at all in the second half after a rough first half, and then Trent Forrest played about a minute and a half. So they were very short when it came to the rotation in the second half of this game. 
Uh, and that led to a lot of big minutes. Other than Capella and Kongwu, who did their usual kind of 20, 28 to 20 kind of split in a lot of ways, it was Bogey with 39 minutes. That's a second, I believe, at least, uh, if not a season high, it certainly ties it along with one other game. Uh, 42 for Trey, 42 for Jalen, 41 for Sadiq. So they definitely pushed in this one. It was their first game in a long time where they didn't have to travel before or after it, which probably helped. But with Sadiq, uh, sorry, with DeJounte out, and DeAndre Hunter out, etc. Quinn pushed hard for this one and ended up getting it, but certainly uh, lots of workload on his guys. The Hawks were actually up by 12 early in this game. Uh, it was never comfortable after that, but they were they sort of had the lead. Their first 24 points were either at the rim or at the free throw line, which is uh, notable for sure. They were attacking the rim effectively. Toronto doesn't really have a rim protector right now without Jakob Pertl, who is hurt. And the Hawks, as I mentioned before, got into the paint and scored 70 plus points at the rim. That's very impressive. Um, they were up eight at the end of the quarter despite the dry spell, and they were one of nine from outside the paint in the first quarter and still were up by eight points. Now, the one downturn, the one big downturn, I should say, of the entire game was a 22-5 to run by the Raptors early in the second quarter. They all scored five points in about five and a half minutes, and both buckets in that stretch were actually at Kongwu dunks, including one huge lob from Trey to Kongwu that was actually a lot, of, a lot of fun. But that was kind of part of the bench woes in this game. That was the one time where they kind of went heavy bench the entire game. That was Garrison's stretch where Garrison was minus 21 in eight minutes. A lot of that was because of that stretch that he played. Um, they did stabilize from there. They scored 18 points in the last six minutes of the half with the starters back on the court. And it was basically, like I said before, two stories of the game and two stories of the half. In the first half, the Hawks were w- the Hawks were winning despite the fact... Uh, sorry, they were down four, I should say. Uh, they were down four by halftime. Um, but they were within four because even though they had made eight, eight fewer threes than the Raptors did, and the starters versus bench lineups were uh, pretty wild in terms of the splits on those. Um, in fact, Bay, Bogey, and Capella were all at least plus 12 in the first half, and again, they were down by four. So there you go. Uh, in the second half, they had a pretty brutal first minute. They got down, I think, nine in the first minute. And then Bogey got to go in a little bit. He actually was huge in this game, I thought. He had 21 points by the eight-minute mark of the third quarter. He definitely cooled off from there, but he was very helpful, shot it very well in this game, and uh, gave them some offensive punch without DeJounte. Uh, 15-4 run by the Hawks in the middle of the quarter. Uh, The first time that someone other than Bogey made a three in this game for the Hawks was at about 29 minutes into the game. It was Trey. So that kind of tells you again how bad the shooting was. In the whole game, Bogey was four of eight from three, and the rest of the team was two for 19. Yikes. Um, both teams kind of got hilarious take fouls in the middle of the third quarter. No harm done. It was just kind of strange. Um, I'll say this now. Quinn Snyder talked up Sadiq Bey pregame a lot when it comes to like physical and mental toughness because he got a question from Bob Rathbun actually about Sadiq's shooting slump that he's been in and sort of coming out of it a little bit the last couple games. Ironically, Sadiq was 0 of 6 from 3 in this game, but he actually played quite well. And the shooting is a separate thing. I have not always loved Sadiq's defense. I'll always say that. But he made three or four hustle plays in the third quarter, uh, including a couple of t- uh, layups that he kind of got off of those. He had the huge play late, the tip-in. Something to be said for his physicality, and I think that was uh, definitely noted both pre- and post-game by Quinn. And also, just if you watch this game, Bay plays hard. He just does. And that's something to be admired about Sadiq. Like, he's not he's not a flawless player. I, I, will, I, I have pointed out, and I will point out again, his defensive flaws, but he's a better shooter than this. And I think importantly, he's kind of the only, you know, non-center on this team. That's like, uh, he's a dirty work guy. Like Sadiq just goes in and like gets the loose balls and he's obviously 
it's almost like a meme, like how beefy he is on the top now. His arms are he's jacked, and that, that helps you. Though he plays he plays with physicality, and that was I thought it was pretty notable in the third quarter for me. Um, made forty points in the third. That was very helpful. I won't fast forward the entire way in the fourth quarter, but the Hawks were up by six early in the period. I thought the Raptors though did a good job of pushing the pace on the Hawks. I mentioned that before, but the transition defense. But Atlanta's defense was a little bit wobbly with the bench on the floor in the fourth quarter. They came back to the starters with about eight minutes to go, and rode the rest of the way. Like I was, I wasn't sure they were going to be able to do that, especially with Bogey because they don't want to play him a ton of minutes. But they did. They closed with the starters the entire rest of the way, and that ended up being enough. They had a nine-two run in the middle of the quarter to go up by seven. And it felt like that might be a good chance to put the game away, honestly. But they missed a good look at a three, missed a couple of free throws, and it was kind of, they were just kind of allowing the Raptors to kind of hang around in there. Uh, Jalen had a wide open corner three that he missed with about three minutes to go. Um, it, was about, it was down to a two-point game. Uh, a big play by, by Trey, actually, he drew a charge. His second one of those in the game uh, with the Hawks down, sorry, with the Hawks up two. And that actually fell Dennis Schroeder out of the game. Uh, it was challenged by Toronto, but they lost it. That was a nice play on the Hawks' side. And uh, after Trey got fouled, they were up four with about 144 to go. Uh, but then things got interesting. So Jalen fouls Scotty Barnes, who makes both. Then Jalen kind of gets caught in no man's land on a play offensively where like, he probably should have just gone to the rim and either gotten fouled or finished at the rim. But he kind of hesitated, pulled up a little bit short. He shot a floater that he could make, but it was, it was kind of an awkward shot. He misses it. They had a tip-in chance, didn't go in. And then on the other, on the other end of the floor... They allow a three to Gary Trent. And for the first time in about a quarter and a half, the Hawks were trailing. So they went from up four with about 145 to go to being down one in about 20, 30 seconds. It was a very fast swing against Atlanta. Then they fell after Trey missed the shot on a pretty decent look, I thought, actually. They fell Bruce Brown, and they're down by three with a minute to go. So that was a big swing, a 7-0 run in about 45 seconds for the Raptors. Then the Hawks kind of flipped the script a little bit. Trey draws a foul. Makes both. They get Gary Trent to miss a shot. Nick Capella throws an outlet pass that was, I liked it actually. It was an aggressive pass. He overthrew it by about a foot. But Bogey managed to track it down and not have it be a turnover. It didn't lead to a layup either, but it was a no harm, no foul play. And they get Trey going downhill for a floater, and they take the lead back. That was a nice play. Then defensively, up by one, I thought Capella did a great job. And Coy talked about this too after the game. Capella did a great job in the whole last minute, but that was a big play by him to force a miss by Scotty Barnes. Well, the Hawks get the rebound, so Dietrich's down in the corner, and the Hawks should have been in the driver's seat. Again, they're up by one, they're up by one with the ball. And the Raptors would have had to foul. They were in a must-foul situation, shot clock off, all that stuff. But Trey gets sped up and turns it over in hideous fashion on the baseline in the backcourt. Um Quinn pointed this out, and if you watch the play, it's true. They didn't space very well. Like basically no one was where they're supposed to be in that play. Bay kind of gave it to Trey and like I don't know if he zoned out or whatever, but he kind of wandered into the path of Trey in some respects. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a space play that was good, but Trey owned up to it. It was certainly Trey's fault. I don't know what he was even trying to do. He got sped up. He didn't need to do that. Um, I think it was probably a foul on Toronto. I'll be interested to see if they call that on, on the two-minute report, but it didn't call then. And um, all he had to do was just kind of wrap it up. Like usually to, you know, to defend Sadiq a little bit, once that ball's in Trey's hands, you feel great. Like he's your best ball handler. He's your best free throw shooter. You're up one. They have to foul you. I guess a good job, good job by the Raptors to not foul right away, and then Trey turns it over. And by the way, the turnover led directly to a easy bucket for the Raptors, which made it even worse. Had he thrown the ball out, out of bounds, something like that, it would have been bad, but it was even worse that it was compounded by it being a live ball in the backcourt turnover. So in the blink of an eye, you go from in control, 
you think you have Trey going to the line to go up by three who makes both. He turns it over, and it's a layup. So that was a bad, bad, bad swing. And it'll be one that people won't remember necessarily because they won the game. But man, whew, that was rough. Anyway, um, after that, fortunately, they're only, only down one. So they have some time. They get Trey going downhill offensively. And he, he turns the corner, makes a good play. I think that we've seen this before with the Hawks. I think smartly, Trey is a smart player. Quinn's a smart coach, etc. You don't want to take that shot like at the buzzer. You want to take that shot with like three seconds to go because it's a floater. Trey gets to it. Number one, he makes that shot a lot. Number two, it's a good rebounding shot because it's a soft, high-arcing, um, good contest by, by Scotty Barnes, who kind of made Trey go a little bit higher on the backboard with it. But the Hawks had two guys there, and Bay got the tip in. So you, I'm sure you've all seen the play by now, but good hustle by Bay. He was in the right spot all night long on those plays. Um, I like the, I like the design down by one to just not you know not settle for something on the perimeter. Get Trey going downhill. If he gets a layup, that's great. If he passed the ball to, for somebody else, that's great. It worked out good in this scenario. So they avoid it at the end. Man, it was a bad turnover by Trey. Uh, everybody knows that, but they avoid it and uh, they escape. So I'll, I'll stop rambling, but the Hawks had their worst uh, moments at the very, very end of this one, but they still scored very well the entire game, really. Um, the starters were all plus six or better, and that was Jalen plus six, but um, three of them, Bogey, Capella, and Bay, were plus 19 or better. Like They were just better than the Raptors in this game all the way across, and uh, I wish just for like perception reasons that the Hawks would have just won this game by 10 because they probably should have. If, if you look at the box score and cover the three-point line, they win this game by a lot. They just didn't happen to have that uh, swing go their way. But anyway, they escape with the win. I'm done talking about that for now. I will have more, though, when it comes to the player evaluations and the analysis on those guys, and then I look ahead at what's to come for the Hawks at the end of the podcast. But first, the word from our sponsors on today's podcast. This episode of the Left on the Hawks podcast is brought to you by Quiz, and today we're going to have some fun and test your Atlanta Hawks knowledge. Nothing too crazy here, but the question of trivia on today's podcast is which player holds the record for most points scored in a single game for the Hawks? Quiz, with three eyes, is the next generation trivia experience. It's also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for Left on Hawks fans, they've created an NBA quiz as well, where you can test your knowledge and win, win real cash. And you can play with friends or other fans and let your, let your knowledge shine up all the way to the bank. You can play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quizwith3eyes.com and start playing today. NBA Quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans to live and breathe basketball. And now you have that second to think, by the way. The answer to the trivia question that I asked before is kind of a tricky one because it's actually a tie. 57 points. Dominique Wilkins did it twice. Lou Hudson. And then also, if you want to count the pre-Atlanta time, it's Bob Pettit as well. But Dominique is the recent record holder of that and the quiz games, by the way, are awesome and fun for folks who like sports and information like I do. I've had a blast checking it out in the last few days. And the place to go is app.quiz. That's Q-U-I-I-I-Z.com. Test your knowledge and win cash today. That's quiz with three eyes, just like a three point, just like a three-pointer. And you can play right now. Showcase your skills. Take home cash prizes. One more time. That is app.quiz with three eyes.com where fans become champions. And to the player stuff in this game, again, nine guys appeared for the Hawks. Only seven and a half or so in the second half. Uh, Trent Forrest played six minutes, minus seven, uh, had three assists, actually had one really nice pass that led to a layup um, that I'm recalling right now. And defensively, he was just fine. He was okay. Um, offensively, it is what it is. But he was uh, he was fine, I thought, in this game. Garrison Matthews played eight minutes and really struggled. It's not his fault. They were minus 21, but he wasn't good. Those are both true at the same time. Uh, two fouls, 0-2 from the floor, 0-1 from three. Um, Patty Mills, good effort. I, I think Patty plays hard. And that's something to be lauded. I thought that he was a little bit weak defensively at times just because of the lack of size. They targeted him, and they should. That, that makes sense. And also, Patty was over 2 from 3 in this game. 
there was a possession where Sadiq actually missed a wide open patty for an open three that he probably should have kicked it out for. But I thought he was, uh, you know, he's not great. Minus 18, again, not all on one guy or two guys or three guys. They just didn't have the juice in the bench minutes in this game. Akangwu, 10.3 rebounds, an assist, and a block for Nyeka in 20 minutes, 5-7 from the floor. Um, 0 of 1 on threes, actually, actually a pretty good look for him in the corner. He was minus 18. Uh, I thought he was actually fine. I don't think that, you know, I thought he was definitely the best of their four bench guys. No, he's also the best player of those guys in general. But um, yeah, the bench just didn't work in this game. And again, Toronto's credit, their bench guys made a bunch of shots. Uh, you know, I'm looking at this now. Nawara, Porter, and Grady Dick combined to shoot nine of 16 from three. And those are the bench guys for the Raptors. So some variants. Um, the Hawks bench, three guys not scoring a point is rough to see in, uh, in general. It's not like a new theme, but this is a team that's been stretched by the absences and the lack of the mid-level guy. And like they, they, they just didn't have the investment of the bench in this game. And uh, it kind of cost them at times. Anyway, they won it. So there you go. To the starters. The only guy who didn't play more than 39 minutes is Capella. Um, 28 minutes. I thought he was actually just really, really good in this one. And obviously, you know, Clint, I'm probably higher on Clint than most. But he was just legitimately capital G good in this game. 19 points, 14 rebounds, and a block. No turnovers for Clint in 28 minutes. So huge numbers. Um, not, all, not only that, but defensively, he was really good around the rim. Um, the play on Barnes at the end of the game, Snyder talked about it too. Like one of, his best, one of his best games in a while. And I think that we could just leave it there, but I think he was very effective. And often he struggles against teams that are small because he's not the most mobile guy in the world at this point in time. But Toronto was playing without a rim protector and he did a good job in this one. So, uh, shots to Clint. To the rest of the starters. Uh, Jalen had a kind of an interesting game. 17 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. So, like, showcased all of his stuff there. But 5 of 13 on 2s, 1 of 4 from 3. Had a couple of in, sort of in-between mishaps. His defense was kind of hit and miss. He had some good moments on, on, on Barnes in particular. That was his assignment most of the game. Also had some moments like he did on Friday where he it's just a reminder that he's not quite fully formed yet as a defender. Um, he had kind of a rough week defensively, I think, overall, but he played a lot of minutes and made a lot of plays, so uh, no harm done. Just wasn't his absolute best, I didn't think. Um, Sadiq Bey was really good in this game, and you know, for him to go 0 of 6 from 3 and be really good, it tells that he's, he's much, he's uh, sort of has usefulness beyond three-point shooting. So, number one, he was 8 of 12 from 2 in the game, and 10 of 15 at the line. Now, missing five of those shots is not great, but 15 free throw attempts by a single player that's not Trey Young never happens on this team. Like, there's, I can't remember the last time, I should look this up. I can't remember the last time that someone other than Trey got to the line 15 times or even 12 times. And Bay did that in this one. He was physical, he was brute forcing, 13 rebounds, including the biggest one of the game, three assists. Also, it was a, uh, not a career high, but a season high with points and rebounds for Sadiq at 26 and 13 in this game. So, uh, Really good performance from him. I'm glad he got the moment at the end. Um, the shooting is still, you know, at least something to be desired right now, but I think it's going to come around. And, uh, you know, it's kind of poetic that Quinn talks about him pregame, postgame, during the game, etc. And uh, for as much as he can be frustrating defensively for people that love defense, uh, he does give them something that nobody else does with his physicality. Uh, Bogey was really good in this one. 24 points on only 13 shooting possessions. So he was extra 3 of 3 from 2. 4 of 8 from 3, had 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks for Bogey in this one. Uh, interesting. They turned it over 5 times, and uh, I will say he was the number 1 problem when it comes to transition defense. He was really, really bad at that. Um, but, 
Bogey's offense is huge. Um, he, they don't like lose a ton on offense, even without Dejounte. Obviously, Dejounte is more of a ball handler than Bogey is. But to be able to have a guy in Bogey to start in place of Murray is very helpful. Bogey's an excellent player. He's a starter for most teams in the league. Um, he played this many minutes for the second time all year. He only played actually more than thirty six points, thirty six minutes, I should say, once all year before today. And he played a ton and helped them quite a bit. And then uh, Trey at the end, uh, thirty points, twelve assists for Trey. He had the one just awful play at the end of the game. No, no, no way around that awful play. Um, but he managed to have 30 points on about 30%. So not, not super efficient for Trey after the free throw line 12 times, but only eight of 20 on twos. That's not going to get it done. Um, one of four from three. Um, the passing was there for sure, but certainly not his best by any means. He did, he did, he did, he did draw the two charges, but you know, 30 and 12 is 30 and 12, but he wasn't, he wasn't great. I think he probably admit that. I think he kind of did admit that after the game, actually, that he wasn't his best, but, um, they made enough plays. At the end of the day, he played 42 minutes without DeJounte. That makes a lot of sense. They don't really have a lot, a, lot else, a lot else to do offensively without DeJounte and with Trey off the floor. So we'll leave it there for now. Uh, last thing, not a ton of trade stuff over the weekend. Uh, I mentioned the DeJounte rumor stuff uh, a minute ago. Um, the, the Athletic reported, Yovan Buha did, that Murray is the top target for the Lakers still. We kind of know that at this point. Um, still kind of, you know, out there in the last couple of days. But then Mark Stein reported today, actually, that sources are telling him the Lakers and Hawks talks have kind of slowed at this point. Part of that is that maybe Russell is playing so well they don't want to move him. There could be some spin there. Russell has played well for the Lakers, just to be just to be very candid. I would guess that doesn't really change the market that much, but we'll see. Um, we're still a week and a half away from the deadline. Talks will ramp up at this point, no matter what. Not just Murray, but um, in general, league chatter is going to intensify in the next week and a half. That's just the way this stuff goes. So stay tuned for all of that stuff. We get If we get new rumors or new deals in particular, I'll cover them in depth on this podcast. And finally, the Hawks play again on Tuesday against the Lakers. That'll be a very, very high-profile game because the Lakers, of course, are a prominent potential trade partner for the Hawks, but also it's the Lakers. I will say that it's a very good schedule spot for the Hawks because the Lakers play on Monday in Houston. So a tough back-to-back for the Lakers. I'd say there's a non-zero chance that the Lakers might rest some guys on Tuesday. You know, it's a back-to-back with travel. You know, LeBron may not play, if I had to guess. He might play, but I'm not saying anything like that. But he certainly would not, it would not stun me if he rested that game. But no matter what, um, with Murray stuff out there, that will be a topic when they arrive on Tuesday. And we'll have more on that game as well. But yeah. Full full schedule of events coming up. We have, again, like 10, 11 days till the deadline. Stay tuned. I'll have full coverage of that. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. If you are an audio subscriber, we have extra bonus content after most games as well from the Locked On Sports Atlanta crew. They have postcast episodes on our audio feeds as well. Video, if you go to YouTube, it's just me, but that's, uh, you know, all that's coming to you for the price of $0. So please rate and review and subscribe. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at Lots on Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. Also, my written work is available at patreon.com slash BT Roland. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your, I guess the rest of your weekend, but uh, if nothing else, you'll be listening to this podcast on Monday. So uh, have a nice week. We'll have plenty of content coming up, coming your way. I'm not exactly sure when the next podcast will be either Monday night or at the very latest, it'll be Tuesday after the game. So stay tuned. We'll see you all next time.